1 Thessalonians 2. You know, my brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi. As you know, but with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error to or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. You know we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else, even though as apostles of Christ we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each other as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, encouraging comforting, and urging you to, to live lives worthy of God who called you into his kingdom and glory. And we also thank God continually, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as a human, not as human word, but as, but as it, but as it actually the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. For you, brothers and sisters, become imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own people the same things those churches suffered from the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and also drove us out. They displeased God and are hostile to everyone in their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. In this way, they always heap up their sins to the limit. The wrath of God has come upon them at last. Let's pray, everyone. Our Heavenly Father, Almighty God, we uh, bow in your presence this day to thank you for your living word to us. We thank you that these words have been preserved through all the generations, and we thank you that today we are your people by grace and able to have these words in front of us just now read. Now, Father, we do pray now that it might please you to minister to our hearts as we look at these uh, 
words as we think of Paul's ministry to the Thessalonians, how he went about it, and how we as your people here today can indeed be ministers, servants of your gospel. And so please do this great work in us, Lord, and uh, continue to stir us up to be the people you've called us to be, to live lives worthy of the gospel, who kingdom that we've entered. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I don't think a day goes past uh, when I don't receive a uh, spam caller on my mobile phone. Um, my mobile phone is a lot smarter than I am, I confess that, and it tells me that the phone call is uh, from a, a scammer, a potential scammer, a potential uh, fraud person, uh, someone who is trying to uh, do things that they shouldn't, <laughs> and uh, I just um, tend to, well I don't know whether you've had the same experience, but I just get my phone and I just press the button, block. And so I, I don't know how many of block numbers I have on my phone, <laughs> but as I say, every day one seems to come in. On a recent overseas trip, or not so uh, recent I suppose, I remember walking through a cobblestone courtyard in this city, seeing several men with blankets on the ground selling clothes. And my eye caught uh, the brand on a number of these items. You may know these ones, Nike, Nike hats, uh, Lacoste polo shirts, and Adidas shorts. Uh, we had just sort of walked past one of these fellows when we happened to see all of a sudden this guy running past uh, as though he was trying to catch a bus with uh, the blanket over his back and all the clothes in there running for the bus as though he was Santa Claus. And I said, thought to myself, well, he's, he's shut, up, shut up shop very early. You know, it could be more sales. But then I looked back, there were two policemen and uh, they're in the courtyard there, and as I looked through the courtyard, there was nobody there, none of these men with blankets. They'd all gone, and I said to them, what's going on here? And my friend said to me, well, they're selling illegally. They aren't, spent, they aren't meant to sell here. It's fake brands, really. It all looks legit, it all looks fine and super it's cheap, and, but you, know, you sort of take one of these garments home and put it in the wash, it shrinks, and it's useless. During Paul's second missionary journey, he went to that seaport, that city seaport of Thessalonica, and through ministering the gospel, through the grace and kindness of God, he saw some people come to know the Lord and a church was formed in Jesus Christ. But there was significant opposition to that gospel impact and Paul had to flee the city. Opposition can come in very different ways and one of the ways it can come is to discredit the messenger and it seems this is the case in Thessalonica it seems that Paul's opponents had begun a smear campaign against him you see he ran off uh, you you heard from him you have you heard from him have you seen him since uh, where is he gone you do, not, you do you want to know why he left He's not the real deal. He's a charlatan. He's a, he's a phony. 
He didn't stick around to uh, be with you when the opposition came. He was just really in it for personal and financial gain. He doesn't really care about you. He's abandoned you. And so if the Thessalonian believers were sort of hearing that and believing that that was the case, that Paul's not the real deal, he's out to trick them, you see, what sort of standing do you think they would have in the gospel? What would they be thinking about their response to what Paul had been saying to them? And so from an update that Timothy, his trusted friend, has given him, Paul's anxious to correct any misunderstanding about the Thessalonians, what the Thessalonians might have had about Paul and his ministry. Miles away from them, he writes this heartfelt letter to assure that the ministry was a responsible ministry. And we're going to look at this under two headings this morning, that responsible ministry is committed to God's gospel and responsible ministry is committed to God's people. Ministry isn't simply left to the paid guys, for the clerics. As much as we recognise some are set aside to be supported in ministry, ministry is part of the DNA for every Christian in every church. Our goal, God's plan for his church is to submit to one another as we sit under his words. That each one of us speaks the truth in love and obtain to full measure of Christ. To grow as a loving, humble community who know the truth and stand for it. Ministry is bringing God's word to one another. This simply isn't the domain of the pastor or elders either, even though we don't all preach. The work of ministry is people bringing God's word in all sorts of different contexts. So God's church is built into maturity. And every Christian is encouraged to be part of that in some measure. And just something I'd like to um, commend to you, every one of you today uh, is um, uh, a course that the RTC is running, the Reform Theological College. We're supporting that as a church this month uh, financially. And uh, they're running an online training course. It's called Ministry of the Words helping us to be responsible ministers of the gospel. It goes for um, a couple of hours, I think it is, a month, over 10 months, starting at the end of March. And it'd be great encouragement to every one of us to, uh, uh, as, we, as we seek to bring God's word to one another. So if you're interested in that, I encourage you to come and talk to me about that or one of the elders, find out more detail about it. So responsible ministry is committed to God's word. Just look with me, would you, if you've got the Bible open there, verse 2. You'll see as we think about this theme, responsible ministry committed to God's word. It says there, Paul has uh, 
been suffering previously. He's got a track record of suffering. He was in Philippi just before he got to Thessalonica. And you know the story when he went to Philippi, he got imprisoned for the gospel. And after being released from Philippi, he shared the gospel with the Thessalonians. It says there, in spite of strong opposition, he was prepared to keep putting his life on the line for the gospel, even when the guns were aimed at him. And notice in the verse, he says that he did this because he had the help of God. That is, he was emboldened by God to do it. And brothers and sisters, let me say, as we demonstrate our commitment to God's word to share the message, may God embolden each one of us in the face of opposition. So his commitment was to endure for the gospel. Then his commitment to God's word was seen in his motive. Verse 3, where he says, the appeal that we make, or better really it's saying the pleading that we make, okay? The, um, it's the same word that we go down in verse 12, that word that's translated encouraging. The, the pleading does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as men approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please men, but God who tests our hearts. You see, ultimately, ministry is before the audience of one. He sought to please the Lord who had approved him and tested him. Nor is he giving a message to win people just to have them like him. You know, the message that might go something like this, you know, you come to Jesus and really all your worries and problems will be solved. You'll enjoy a good life. The Lord wants to bless you with a wonderful life. He wasn't ministering for the human accolades. His gospel motive was found in pleasing God, which spelt out the cost of following the Lord. Verse 4, he didn't use flattery. Just how you please people, make them like you, butter them up, get the compliments. Isn't that a temptation today? The Christian gospel is a narrow path in a broad way of prog in a progressive culture. How tempting to move from that narrowness to accommodate the culture and to alter the message so it wins people's approval. which is what we see in parts of the church today. Nor did Paul minister out of greed, it says, verse 6. In fact, he reminds them how, as apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you. 
they, they, have, they, they could have exercised their right to financial support. It says in verse 9, you know, you remember our toil and hardship, working night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel of God to you. The idea here of labouring is really working to the point of fatigue. And he's probably referring to the fact that he uh, was, pardon me, was involved in tent making to earn the income to support himself. He gave up the right to support from the Thessalonians. And I'm so very grateful that our church is able to fund my position. Our needs as a family are well and truly met. But over the last two years, I've been really doing bivocational ministry. Well, it's been a bivocational situation where I've been doing a bit of lawn mowing on the side to supplement the part-time income I received from a previous church. Now, that church was greatly generous, but they weren't able to fund the, the position full. The point is, those of us in paid ministry do have the right to forego being paid in order not to be a burden to a church. But if a church is able to support a paid minister, then it shouldn't withhold support. And in the case of the Thessalonians, they weren't able to support Paul's ministry. And so Paul points out here his endurance, his God-pleasing motive, and the fact that he wasn't a burden to them as a defence for being a responsible minister committed to God's words. And may each of us in some way be responsible ministers who bring God's word to others in our day. And now notice with me how we see Paul is a responsible minister committed to God's people, God's people. Verse 7, where he says, we were gentle among you. If um, you read into this, you'll see that there is some manuscript evidence to the fact that the word could actually have been infants rather than gentle there. In other words, we were infants in your midst, like, like a nursing mother. It seems like a mixed metaphor, doesn't it? But then if you were to come with me to the mainly music program on Wednesday, you would typically see mothers on the ground, on the floor, gentle, playing games, gently guiding and protecting their children. Over the last two Wednesdays, I've seen mothers become childlike. They're on the floor with their children. They're like an infant with their little one as they interact. The nursing mother cherishing her own children. And there's poor commitment to them as being sacrificial, where he says in verse 8, we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. He didn't change his gender. When he says he's like a mother to them, but like a mother, his commitment to them was gentle, innocent, loving, and self-sacrificing, not harsh. 
And friends, this is to be our manner as we minister the word to one another, sharing our lives with each other as infants, gentle, as mothers, self-sacrificing, caring, sharing our lives. And also as fathers, verse 11, for you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging and urging, comforting you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Sometimes Paul comforted them. Sometimes he urged them. Sometimes he built them up like a father to his children. For his spiritual children are to please God because they've been called into God's kingdom. God's kingship should determine their behaviour. They needed comforting when they were slipping back. They needed urging to keep going and to not give up, to be built up for the long haul. Friends, is it your heart's desire to walk worthy of God? Who is up for such a walk? God's call is enter his kingdom. And so we walk worthily of that call. Philippians 1.27, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of God. Colossians 1.10, that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Ephesians 4.1, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Would it be that we would make it our aim to be ministers of God's word, exercising responsible ministry, coming alongside each other with his words and with that manner so we all walk worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory Paul uses the metaphor of family roles to help us understand responsible ministry. Not to sort of stereotype these mother and father roles as such, that all that mothers do is the feeding and the caring, and all that fathers do is the educating of their children. For you see, mothers have a vital role in educating children, and fathers should bath the babies. Responsibilities are to be shared. But isn't it just so impressive as you read these verses this morning that as far as Paul's commitment to God's people is concerned, that he should practice both because they were so dear to him for they had entered God's kingdom and glory and so he wanted them to walk worthily of this. Responsible ministry is committed to God's people, which expresses thankfulness to God for them. 
verse 13, where he says, And we also thank God continually, he says, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. You recall if you hear last week that that's how Paul began his letter, with thankfulness, thanking God that they'd received the gospel, that it impacted them. It was God's word that did the work through Paul and his team, which continued to keep working in the Thessalonians, which kept them living for the Lord Jesus, producing lives worthy of him, even in the face of opposition. Verse 14, where it says, For you, brothers, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own countrymen the same things those churches suffered from the Jews. Here is the evidence that a responsible ministry committed to God's word, committed to God's people, will see people even suffering for the Lord Jesus. For I remind you this morning, isn't that exactly how our Lord Jesus was treated? And wasn't that what happened to Paul? Verse 15, who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and also drove us out. They displease God and are hostile to all men in their efforts to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. That's why, you see, they heap up their sins to the limit. And the dreadful consequence facing anyone hindering people from hearing the gospel so that they might be saved. Verse 16, the wrath of God has come upon them at last. Will you, will you be a responsible minister committed to God's word, to keep it, to stand for it, to study it, to share it, to give it, to speak it, even when some will try and stop you from doing that. That God's people would obtain to the full measure of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, and walk in a manner worthy of God. And will you be a responsible minister committed to God's people, having a deep love and care as you bring God's word with that manner and motive that pleases God. How might God help you to share in this? I'm just going to spend a moment or two before the Lord and as you ask him that question, how might I, God, be used by you to share in this ministry. And then I'll close 
with a word of prayer. Father, as we sit here this morning, we may feel very weak and not very equipped. Perhaps we're not sure where to start. Save us, Father, from hardening our hearts. We've heard your word over this last little while and we dare not wish to harden our hearts. We pray that each one of us would respond in some way to thinking how we may be responsible ministers. For you have brought us into your kingdom. You have brought us to know your glory. And you desire that we would live lives worthy. And so as you have brought us together, we pray that you might grant us so a way to minister your word, to share it, to give it, to know it, and to come alongside people in those wonderful ways that we've seen in the apostle, gentle, motherly, fatherly, for that great aim and cause that we would walk worthily of our Lord and Saviour. So mature our church, grow us all, Lord, in godliness. We desire that. And uh, please help us as we consider, with your help, how we would respond. And we pray this for Jesus' sake. Amen. We now have the chance to respond 